I'm going to spend some time in the book of Daniel in just a moment, but I want to uh, just share these scriptures again and lay a foundation for you how important a life of gratitude actually is. Scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. How many circumstances? All circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So if we didn't understand anything about the force of gratitude and what it would produce in your life, it's enough to know, church, isn't it, that it's God's will that we be thankful. It pleases Him and we're thankful. I love this scripture in 1 Samuel 12, 24. It says, But be sure to fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully with all your heart. And listen to these words. Consider what great things He has done for you. Can you raise your hand today and say, God's done great things for you? Has He? Are you thankful today? Ephesians 5.20, the same kind of sentiment, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. And Paul pretty much sums it up in Colossians 2.7. He says, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. Say that with me. I'm abounding in thanksgiving. What does this mean? It means you are continually increasing in your gratitude. No matter what happens, you're continuing to increase in your gratitude. Because life has a way of coming at all of us in ways we don't expect. And if you're not careful, you're just a fair weather thankful person. Believers should be grateful in every season, in every circumstance. Amen? It's important that you be abounding and increasing. So this time next year, you're going to be more thankful or less thankful? Ten years, you're going to be more thankful or less thankful? When you're raptured, surely you're going to be more thankful. Amen? And you head through those pearly gates, will you not be thankful? Yes, Amen. But you know, anyone can be thankful when everything's going great. Mature believers are grateful in every season, when life is at its best and when life is most challenging. Instead of abounding or increasing in gratitude, some Christians become ungrateful at the smallest inconvenience, frustration, or delay. Look at somebody and say, that's not me. We ought to be examples of being grateful no matter what happens. Pressure comes to all of us, but too many times people become negative grumblers and complainers in that hard time or under that pressure. Israel gives us a great example of this throughout its history. Despite being delivered supernaturally from the hand of Pharaoh, despite constantly God giving and supplying throughout the wilderness experience, no matter what he did, they returned to their default of grumbling and complaining. Now, how many know sometimes that costs them more than they expect it? Grumbling will never get you God's best. Complaining will never get you more of the blessing. And they show us that's not the way we're supposed to be. In other words, when life was hard, they lost their gratitude. You and I should be models of walking out an example for the Lord that we are full of gratitude no matter what happens in life. You know, if you and I never received another blessing from God, we could still live off of what? everything he has already done. Amen. Say that I'm abounding abounding. 
I'm increasing in my gratitude. I am full of gratitude, not just when everything is easy, but even when it's hard. Why? Because you know and you've been taught that gratitude is not just a platitude, it's actually a force of the born-again spirit. It's a force which means as it's released by faith in your life, it accomplishes things. Tim talked about how it affects your attitude, affects your attitude in terms of, you know, how you perceive things, your altitude, how high you can go in terms, in terms of the things of God, your amplitude, how clear and crisp your voice is and your witness is for Christ. And talked about specifically, you know, you'd have an ability, ability that's affected by your, your attitude. In other words, the greater your gratitude, the more powerful you're going to be in this life. And more pleasant to be around. Look at somebody and say, I like the gracious version of you better. <laughs> and as you all begin to gather with family around this Thursday, you remember what you heard today. Amen. Because some of those folks get on your last nerve. Just see it as an opportunity to practice your gratitude. Amen. <laughs> Can I have a better amen than that? Because I have been known to divert from my current message. <laughs> Gratitude is to be proactive and not just reactive. You receive something, thank God. Somebody has something nice for you, well, thank you. No, we should be thanking God before something even manifests. Gratitude is a choice. No one and no thing can ever make you ungrateful. Amen. You're grateful by choice and you're ungrateful by choice. It's entirely up to you. Remember that gratitude is a barometer of your spiritual condition. We can tell exactly how well you're doing spiritually by how grateful you are. How much gratitude versus how much grumbling and complaining is there. Aren't you glad God has given us these barometers to tell how we're doing? Some of you are thinking, Pastor, I don't need a barometer. I know exactly how I'm doing. Pastor, please open the altar now. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you want to know how you're doing? Just listen to what's coming out of your mouth. Gratitude, thanksgiving, any ordinary day, or is it griping and complaining and murmuring in your life? Gratitude is also a seed. When you sow that seed of gratitude and thanksgiving, it'll produce harvests of blessing and favor in your life. In other words, there's a whole lot more to gratitude than just saying thank you. It is a force of the born-again spirit. Well, today, you could be under all kinds of pressure, or maybe life is hard for a variety of reasons. But once you know a couple of things, first of all, God sees it, and He loves you, and the hard time you're going through has nothing to do with how horrible you are. It's a function of living in this life. The Bible says, in this world you will have tribulation or trouble, but be of good cheer, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Yea, all those who will live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So the hard time you're going through is because you're a human being, a born-again person in the kingdom of God, living in a culture and a society that doesn't always respect that. And it can be tough. It can be very, very difficult, very, very hard. You need to understand that no matter what's going on, God has not abandoned you. You're not a horrible person. And if you'll stay full with gratitude, God can turn that thing around. Some people here today are under great pressure because of some sickness or disease. 
But I can tell you what, what will turn that around for you. Suppose you got one body part that's not working right. Thank God for all the body parts that are working in your life. Are you here today? Well, I got a kidney malfunction. Well, you got one that's working. And your liver's doing okay. Amen. Say it. I have an anointed liver in Jesus' name. Thank Him for the things that are working. That's how you manifest a life of gratitude. Some of you are in great pressure because of lack today, shortage, or because of debt. Well, grateful people are thankful for what they have and thankful for what God is doing. There's some people in bondage and the pressure and the life is hard because of some addiction or some kind of thing that's controlling you. Well, be thankful for the victories that you have. And be thankful he's not done giving you the victories. Some people are under pressure of persecution. Well, grateful people understand and they say, you know what? I take honor in that I can suffer for the Lord on his behalf because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't see Paul in prison grumbling, whining, and complaining. You know what? His thoughts went to the people of God. In Philippians, for example, he said, every time I remember you in prayer, I thank God for you. He's the one in prison. And yet remain grateful and thankful. Some people are under pressure because of setbacks or disappointments and failure in life. Grateful people are thankful that God's a master of the turnaround. I said, God can turn that around. Shout that out. My God can turn that around. Say, He's turning around. By faith declared, it's turned around. Some people are facing Vast days of discouragement and depression. You're despondent in life. Grateful people are thankful for the things that are going right. And they learn like David to encourage themselves in the Lord. When David got back to Ziklag, all he could see was destruction. His people were gone. Their supplies were gone. Their goods were gone. Their valuables were gone. And David was subject now not only to his own despondency, but his entire group of people came to him voluntarily saying, make, make yourself a captain to us. They turned on him. But the Bible says, and David found strength or encouraged himself in the Lord. One of the ways you can do that is start thanking God for all the things that you have. Amen. Some people are under pressure because of temptation. You should thank God about the scripture that says, with that temptation, God will provide a way of escape. Thank him for the way of escape. And you'll walk in victory over that temptation. Some people today are under the pressure of grief. Life is hard because you've lost something important and valuable and precious to you. You need to thank God for the time, first of all, that you had with that person or in that situation. And thank God that it's not over. Death is not the end. Would you be amazed how many people are sucked into the vortex of the spirit of grief because they failed to thank God for everything they had before they lost that particular thing. Turn to somebody and tell them gratefulness is a grief buster. And that's for somebody today. Shout it out. Everybody say it. Gratitude is a grief buster. Some people are under the pressure of fear. Grateful people understand God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Say that I have power and love and a sound mind. How many are you thankful for your sound mind? Amen. 
My mom has some physical battles from time to time. But I tell you what, don't try to get into a duel of intellect with it. You'll lose. Amen. Mind is sharp as can be. Pretty good for somebody that's 88 years young. Ask me how I know. Amen. (laughs) Some people are under the pressure of people's jealousy and envy. You know what? Be thankful what God is doing in your life and you won't be jealous of what somebody else has and what they're doing. In other words, there are a lot of people in this room and it would be completely, you know, ridiculous for me to think that everybody is just on the mountain and nobody's going through a hard time and there's no pressure in here. I'm here to tell you, though, that the way that you can overcome that is maintaining a spirit of gratitude in your life. There's nothing so hard that God can't turn it around if you'll maintain gratitude in your life. Aren't you glad God's teaching us more than just to say thank you when somebody does something nice for us? Say it. Look at somebody and tell them, it's a force of the born-again spirit. That gratitude will keep you in faith under pressure. It'll keep you in hope under pressure. It'll keep on believing, keep on expecting. It'll keep you in love under pressure. And how you know, sometimes the worst version of ourselves comes out when we're under pressure. But by gratitude, you'll maintain a right spirit and you'll love on people. It'll keep you in peace when you're under pressure. It'll keep you in joy when you're under pressure. It'll keep you trusting God under pressure. It'll keep you in obedience when you're pressed. And I tell you, there's a lot of pressure out there for Christians not to obey God, but you are not going to yield to that pressure in Jesus' name. You're going to continue to honor God. You're going to maintain victory under pressure because gratitude is a force. Glory to God. Now, have you found Daniel by now? Uh, Pastor, is Daniel in the Old Testament or the New Testament? It's in the Old Testament. Before we read uh, from chapter 6, I want you to understand how Daniel is laid out. Daniel is part of what we would call apocalyptic literature, like Revelation. And one of the things you need to know about Daniel is it's it's not chronologically written. It's event written. And so from about uh, chapters 1 through 4, we're dealing with Babylon. Then 5 and 6, we're dealing with Cyrus and Persia. It skips back to chapter uh, 7 and 8. It's 1 to 4, 7 to 8, then 5 to 6, then 9 to 12. But each particular chapter reveals something very, very powerful about God's dealings in and through his people. In this case, we're dealing with Daniel, who had every reason in the world not to be grateful. Severe pressure is what he experienced. I want you to read with me from Daniel 6. First of all, looking at verse uh, 1 through 9. It pleased Darius to appoint a hundred satraps to rule throughout the kingdom. Darius, uh, king of the Medes and Persians, uh, 120 satraps refers to governors of different provinces with three administrators over those governors, and one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now watch this in verse 3. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Do you see how every time you turn around, one of God's people is being elevated because of their excellence? At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. Let me tell you something. Hamas didn't start the antagonism towards the Jews. 
It's been there in every generation. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we'll never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it's something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict to enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now your majesty issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now you notice who wasn't invited to that meeting. Daniel's one of the top three administrators on his way to being in charge of everything under the king, a little bit like Joseph in Egypt. Are you here today? But he's not invited to this meeting. They're grossly jealous, grossly offended by his example and his ascendancy and power and authority, and they want to get rid of him. Darius of the Medes and the Persians, his name actually means, you know, good thoughts, good words, good deeds, and specifically good thoughts. This is Zoroastrianism at this time. This is not Islam. But to understand how they work, and you see this also in the story of Esther, that once something is written down and a signet ring is applied to it, it cannot be reversed. You can pass through the laws to try to deal with that, but you cannot reverse that law. They knew exactly what they were doing. They knew exactly where it would put, to, you know, Daniel under pressure and under persecution here. And they knew exactly how to make it happen so that even the king was subject to his own words. Now watch this. Darius appointed 120, but Daniel was about to become ruler over all. They're threatened by the blessing on his life, and I'm telling you, it's the same reason people attack the Jews today, because they're blessed of God. They'll go through seasons of torment and opposition. They'll go through occupation and possession. They'll go through all kinds of situations. Give them enough time, and the blessing will bring them back up to the top every single time. And I want to point something out to you if I happen to have a Hamas sympathizer in here. There's the door, use it. And I'm just kidding about that. I don't want you to leave until the sermon's over. You might get born again. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's 1949. There's been something like 30 encroachments, 30 wars Israel's had to be involved in. Did not start one of them. Why are they like that? Why during World War II were the Jews attacked? Because they were the most successful, richest people around. They demonstrated the blessing, and Hitler, the demon-possessed ruler, could not stand to see them blessed. Now, I want to tell you something here. Unless today you were raised in an Orthodox Jewish home and you have Jewish roots, God bless you, amen, you're real smart when you give your life to Jesus Christ, amen. But I want to say something to this congregation because most of us, or Gentile background. Are you here? Yes. You have access to the same blessing Daniel had. So don't attack people with the blessing. Just open up your eyes that you can have the same blessing operating in your life. 
Don't attack people with the blessing. Just open up your eyes to see that Christ redeemed you from the curse in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles by faith. Say it, I'm blessed just like Daniel. And that's all those in Palestine so-called have to do is reach out to Christ. That's all anyone has to do. In more ways than one, peace will come to them. But watch this. They're never giving up their land. It's not going to happen. And when they surround the city of David, the Lord himself will appear. You want to be on the right side of that story. Can I have an amen? Turn to somebody and tell them, get on the right side of that story. So when I look at this, I'm not surprised at all that when this Jewish man rises to the rank just under the king, those around him would oppose him, get jealous, and try to destroy him. Threatened by his blessing, they made an attempt on his life. Jealous of his favor with the king because he distinguished himself with excellence, they were going to get rid of him. Intimidated by his power and his coming promotion, they couldn't stand for it. So they manipulated the king of Persia, and Daniel, of course, now has to make a decision. Do I go with what God has taught me, or do I go with the law of man? Turn to somebody and tell them, you ought to obey God, rather than man. Well, let's just look at Daniel and his response. Aren't you glad the scripture records this for us? In verse 10, when Daniel learned the decree had been published, he freaked out. He went over to Darius and said, hey, this has to be a mistake. No, he went home to his upstairs room. Look at somebody say, he went to the upper room. Where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. Shout it out, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. In other words, nothing changed. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. Then they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 100 days anyone who prays to any god or human being except you, your majesty, would be thrown into lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Now, look at Daniel's response. Praise God. <laughs> That was an amen. Praise the Lord. That's what that was. <laughs> Daniel's response is a window for us on how to respond under pressure when life is hard in a situation. This is not, uh, well, he's going to be demoted. This is, he's going to die without an intervention. I mean, that's a hard day. From this, uh, you know, scripture are three very powerful principles I want to give it today. In Daniel's life, number one, stay faithful, no matter what the pressure is. Stay faithful. He chose to obey God rather than man. In fact, he had no intention of even thinking he wasn't going to obey God. When you're under pressure, make sure you stay faithful to him. Listen to this from Psalms 50, verse 23. The life that pleases me is a life lived in the gratitude of grace 
always choosing to walk with me in what is right. This is the sacrifice I desire from you. If you do this, more of my salvation will unfold for you. Raise your hand if you'd like more of a salvation to unfold for you. How? Stay faithful. No matter what happens. Is it, is it sickness, disease? Is it lack? Is it poverty? Is it debt? Is it addiction? Is it pressure for somebody? Is somebody mistreating you? Is somebody persecuting you? Is somebody trying to undermine you at work? Whatever it is, stay faithful to God. God is not your problem. God is not the author of this situation. He is the author of your breakthrough. So stay faithful to him. Turn to somebody and tell him, stay faithful. Amen. Nothing changed in his demeanor or his presentation or his habits. Number two, stay prayerful. Three times a day, the man is still continuing to praise God. And at the apex of his prayer life is gratitude to his God. <laughs> you thank God I've been serving you. Now look at the mess that I'm in. But we don't hear any of that stuff. And if he compromised his lifestyle, we would have heard about it in the scripture because God does not whitewash any man's sin. But he's praying and he's thankful to God. We know the Bible tells us in Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. With what? With what? Thanksgiving. Don't underestimate the power and the force of you being grateful in the middle of some terrible situation that maybe you had nothing to do with. Not all of your distress is caused by your stupid decisions. Well, Pastor, a few of them have been. Well, granted. <laughs> but he is faithful, but he is also maintaining his life of prayer, which is amplified by a gratitude, by a thanksgiving, by a constancy of God, you are great. No matter what this situation is, I'm not changing my attitude towards you because of what man is doing. You'd be amazed how many Christians change their attitude towards God because of what somebody did to them. No, you stay grateful and thankful. Say it, I'm grateful and I am thankful. Right there under pressure. They conspired. The law's been signed. What does he do? Run for his life? No, he goes up to the very place that they're going to accuse him of doing. And he prays. Look at somebody and say, that's boldness under fire. Stay faithful. Stay prayerful. Stay trustful, number three. Despite the threat, having, listen, a, a clear understanding of what's about to happen, he put his total confidence and strength in absolute God's reliability and his faithfulness to get through the situation. Look at somebody and say, trust God. Trust now, the reason I bring these up, because one of the first things to go when somebody's under assault is their faithfulness to God. Don't turn from his word. Don't turn from prayer. Don't turn from church. Don't turn from your service. You dig in further. On your worst day, dig in further. Because you can trust him. I said you can trust him. Let's say it together. Stay faithful. Stay prayerful. Stay trustful. You can depend on him. I said you can depend on him. How many have gratitude in your heart today? Well, read with me how this amazing story ends.
verse 14. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. You want to know why? Because he just found out that his men tricked him, manipulated him. But he couldn't back down from it. He was determined to rescue Daniel, made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, May God, may your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. Stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. I get a picture of this in your mind. At first light, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions. And they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I done anything wrong before you, your majesty. In other words, I didn't do anything wrong before God, and I did nothing but serve you well. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. I'm telling you, you're coming out of this hard time without a wound on you in Jesus' name. The devil thought he had you. He did his best, but his best wasn't good enough. Are you here today? Amen. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire without even the smell of smoke, and you're coming out of the den without a bite mark in Jesus' name. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones, proving they were hungry. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed and his dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He's rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the king and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. How many know God's still doing that today? Looking back and see what he did for Daniel, I think it's in order for us to give the Lord a hand clap for what he did for Daniel that day. Praise the Lord. We bless your name, Lord. See, Say, well, pastor, you, you act like God actually did that. Yeah, we believe that in Jesus' name. God did that. So why can't I thank him for what he did for Brother Daniel? Yeah. Amen. What he did for Brother Joseph. Yeah. What he did for Brother Moses. Hallelujah. Why can't I thank God for what he did in the past? We're not talking about the God of the dead. We're talking about the God of the living. He is very much alive. He is the living God. Even the King Darius said he's the living God. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Praise his name. He is still taming the lions. 
Your line of sickness, your line of disease, your line of lack, your line of bondage, your line of whatever. He's still taming the lions for his people. That are what? That will continue to be faithful, continue to be prayer and thankful, continue to be trustful in their lives. He's no respecter of person. What happens when you stay grateful under pressure? Look at somebody and say, I want to know. What happens when you stay grateful under pressure? Well, number one, he received preservation. Protected from the assignment against him. And I'm telling you that when you maintain gratitude, when you're under pressure, God's going to break that assignment off your life as well. Here's the deal. The enemy still uses lions, but they're the human variety. They're the two-legged variety. And no weapon formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises up in judgment against you will be refuted. He was well able to preserve Daniel, and he's well able to preserve you. Say, he is my God of preservation. He preserved Daniel, and he is preserving you. I mean, can people really be that hateful to want to undermine somebody just because God's blessing them? Absolutely. Anybody here a Christian? You're born again? Can I see your hand? You're born again? I got good news for you. You will be persecuted. Thank you for coming today. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Raise your hand and say, I'm born again. You will be persecuted, but you will be preserved Amen. from every assignment of the enemy against your life. And the devil doesn't manifest himself. He manifests through other people. Just keep in mind, it's a spiritual warfare. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against what? Are they still real? Yes, they manifested in Israel over 40 days ago. Come across those lines with nothing but murder and gnashing of teeth on their minds. One young lady, Israeli soldier, was raped repeatedly by 12, 13 men, and then killed, then paraded on a truck through the streets of Gaza. This is what you're dealing with. Do not ever bring moral equivalency between what is going on from Hamas to what the people in the IDF are doing in Israel. And let me say this to you. Always come down blessing Israel. Do not let words come out of your mouth that are sympathetic to Israel's enemies. Amen. You pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Yes. Are you here today? You bless Israel with your mouth and bless Israel with your resources. And understand, it's a matter of revelation. It's immaterial and it is factual that not everything is perfect in Israel, including right now, not even recognizing your Lord and Savior. But understand, God has a covenant with these people don't find yourself opposing a covenant people of your Most High God. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Amen. But whatever the enemy is trying to do, God will preserve you. Amen. I said God is able to preserve Amen. and to protect, and he's got a million ways to do it. But if he has to send an angel, they're available. I said they're available. Glory to God. Aren't you glad for that? Yes. So Daniel comes out without a wound. I think about Paul on the aisle 
after the shipwreck that Tim talked about, and a viper comes out of the wood, latches onto him. First, Paul is, you know, murderer. That's why he almost died in the shipwreck. Well, he's for sure a murderer now because he got bit by a snake. And then what does he do, church? He shakes it off. Now Paul's a god. No, you're not what? You're not God. But a human being with faith and the anointing can shake it off. And Holy Ghost is talking to some people, and you have been through a bad season dealing with some people. God is telling you to shake it off. Come on, say it. I'm going to shake it off. That wound is not going to be effective in my life. Turn to somebody and tell them, shake it off, because God preserves. Amen. I don't always, you know, like to share, um, you know, personal details in my own life, that's for sure. But I think it's relevant to the congregation to encourage the congregation. I just take a moment to, to brag on the Lord and thank Him. Amen? Amen. And you know, God is good. He deserves our gratitude. Yes. He deserves our, you know, the intervention in our lives. He deserves the praise from that. Now, Kelly didn't mention this, but I will anyway, that uh, she was at the gas station just filling up and somebody came by and said, I don't have any money, this uh, young man, and uh, wanted money. And uh, having already been th- scammed recently, <laughs> she said, I don't know if you're trying to scam me or not. No, I'm not trying to scam you, blah, blah, blah. Well, she said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some money, but you're going to listen to me tell you about Jesus first. <laughs> uh, and that's exactly the way all of us need to be. She said missional inner exhortation. That's exactly the way we need to be. And uh, I wasn't there. But she told him about the Lord and his sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. And um, she wanted to know if he wanted to ask the Lord into his heart. He goes, my heart, you want to make him Lord. Lord, he didn't understand much. But when she said, would you like to you know, pray to receive Christ as your Lord? He said, yes, right there in the gas pump. This young man gives his life to Christ. That's worth thanking God for. Amen. And giving him gratitude. Somebody's life will change. I have a feeling that encounter over Facebook changed her a little bit, Lord. <laughs> Amen. Uh, he wanted some money. But if he'll walk it out, he, he left with a life change. Amen. Just like that, it started out being a money thing, but it very quickly turned into a Jesus thing. Money is a tool. That's all it is. So many of you know that my, uh, my favorite places to be, like in the summertime, is in, in the, uh, the ocean. Um, I can hear God anywhere and we're trained to hear him but there's something about certain parts of his creation where my ears are even more in tune and and the ocean is one of those the other places is in the mountains in the east tennessee and so for years since kelly's mom died and we actually buried her on 9 11 uh, i've been taking her up there for her birthday just to celebrate her birthday and it started out kind of a ministry thing but over time became a kind of a heinz tradition and uh, just minding my own business, we're making these plans to go. Um, I get up one day, and in the right corner of my eye, I see this huge shadow going on in my eye. And, uh, you know, I wasn't born last night. I knew something wasn't right about that. And so uh, 
as, as God would have it, the only place I could have gotten into to see you know, an optometrist was available in a half hour from that moment. And uh, so I did. So I, I went over there, and, and uh, they uh, dilated me, which I always love. It's like staring at these lights every Sunday. <laughs> and uh, he came back with the pictures and he said, uh, your retina is torn, it's detached. And if we don't do something, you know, within a few hours, you'll be blind in that eye. I said, oh, good news. <laughs> I'm, I'm in, this is about 1.30 in the afternoon. Uh, the next morning, they want me in, in Nashville. By 12 o'clock, I'm under the knife. By 2 o'clock, my retina is perfectly reattached and not an issue. But here's the way I, I would say this to you. When I first got the news, I immediately confessing and believing God and asking God just to restore, just do it. You know, it's, I mean, you know, God healing you is cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> you want to say, God healing divinely is cheaper. And not all those doctor visits, amen? <laughs> you see, well, how did that happen? I, I couldn't tell you the foggiest. They, they talk about age, but I'm not that old. <laughs> Come on, the pastor's not that old. <laughs> but here's the thing. I got the one appointment that was even available among several, you know, optometrists. They immediately got me on the schedule. I ended up having the finest retina surgeon anywhere in this entire region of the country. Um, and I'm telling you that, that I'm grateful. I was going to say my retina detachment, Kelly slapped me, but I was going to leave that out. Amen. <laughs> she just kissed me too much, and it just, you know, that's what it was. <laughs> well, all I can tell you is, uh, you know, when you, you deal with things like that, when you're under pressure, when things are hard, you see the hand of God doing things, putting things together. I don't know these people from Adam. You understand what I'm saying to you? There are things like this that happen all the time in our life, and we need to stop and thank Him. He came into the lion's den, and He's coming into your lion's den to preserve you supernaturally. He's not a God that cannot be touched, amen? He's touched with the feelings of your infirmities. You have the ability to come boldly to His throne. He likes to engage and rebuke the lions that are assaulting you in your life. And it's happening now, and I perceive in the next several weeks, some of you will be dealing with things. You remember this, and the first thing you're going to do out of your mouth is give God gratitude. Say, what did you do as soon as he told you your retina was detached? I tell you, I kid you not, I began to thank God for a detached retina. No, for the God that I know can reattach this thing in Jesus' name. For the God that has a way to deal with this in Jesus' name. Y'all remember when I preached on uh, having prosperous emotions and how it taught you how to pause? Do you know how many times I had to pause that week after I preached that? <laughs> Preachers have to stand in faith for everything they say. If we were smart, we'd just shut up. <laughs> and preach on gratitude. Here he comes. Steal and kill and destroy. I don't often agree with what Reformed theologians say because I find that a lot of things that they do is 
is born out of uh, certain prejudices and limitations in the revelations, principally because they don't profess the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It blocks them from more of the interaction of the teacher, the true teacher of the church in their lives. One man was talking about this. He goes, you know, God is all powerful and he's so gracious and good. And how come he allows tragedies to happen? And he said, you're asking the wrong question. What you should be doing is asking the question this way. <laughs> Given that what a horrible sinner I am, how could God possibly not allow me to die by morning? Yeah. The fact that you're here right now is the grace of God. Amen. He's not the author of your pain. He's not the author of your distress. He's not the author of your pressure. He's not the author of the persecution. He's not the author of the thing that's been hard for you, but he is the author of your preservation in Jesus' name. Come on, say, my God is well able to destroy the lions that have come against me. And what do two-legged lions usually do? They use their mouth. The angel stopped the mouth of the lion. <laughs> Amen. And you're preserved as well. Said, I am preserved. Say, I am preserved. It's not just preservation. Number two, it's vindication. Because he remained grateful, he experienced vindication. Now, how many of you have ever been treated wrongly and it made you mad? How mad did it make you? Mad. Foaming at the mouth, man. Meditating on how to get even, man. Hey, we've been in ministry a long time. You have plenty of opportunities to get mad. But here's the deal. Daniel didn't have to do anything. The Lord was going to take care of all of that. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. The Jesse the planet says, yes, Lord, but you're too slow. Let me help you. What do I do? Well, he's taking care of all that. You thank him. You give him gratitude. You give him thanks. You give him praise and let him take care of that situation. I can tell you this. They all found a sudden end for what they had done. And I can tell you this. God is well able to shine the spotlight on things that have come against you and expose them for what they are. You just keep on thanking God. Come on, say, I'm going to thank God. No matter what, I'm going to thank God, whether it's sickness or disease or money trouble or some kind of bondage or some kind of persecution. I'm going to thank God. Say it, I'm going to thank God. Come on, shout it, I'm going to thank God. Say it, I'm going to thank God. I'm going to thank God. I thank God. I praise God. I thank God. He's got this. Don't you sense that? I can just kind of see Daniel just laying on the line sleeping. They start purring. Say it with me. I'm full of gratitude. He preserves and he vindicates. Number three, what else does he do? We've talked a lot about this. He exalts exaltation. Daniel went on to be second only to the king of Persia, the top administrator, extremely blessed and provided for. The Bible talks about how prosperous he was 
after all this happened. And that's a word for somebody here. After the clouds part and the assignment is undermined, you're coming out better than you've ever been in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God will take care of those that came against you. You won't have a wound and your end is going to be better than your beginning in Jesus' name. Glory to God. What does he do? Well, there's vindication, there's preservation, and there's exaltation. And God knows how to take a faithful person and exalt them and bless them and increase them. Amen. The devil may have done his best, but his best wasn't good enough. Say it, my God deserves all my praise. How many of y'all have been touched by God? Has he healed you? Has he touched your life? Has he provided for you? Don't stop thanking him. You thank him, he'll preserve you, he will vindicate you, and he will continue to exalt, lift, and promote your life if you'll respond appropriately. As I you know, close this today, I, th- I think about the impact that Daniel had on this king. And notice the law of the Medes and Persians, of which Iran is derived from. The laws they decree are never terminated. Which means the land of Israel is living inconsistent with their ancestors' decree. Sooner or later, there will be vindication over that. Their religion has changed from Zoroastrianism to Islam, but it doesn't change the fact their ancestors decreed the blessing of God's people and the blessing of God himself, the true living God. Can you all agree with me that it's coming full circle in Jesus' name? That God will take Iran back, amen? The Ayatollahs will not stop God from moving in that nation. And they will all live to fulfill what Darius said prophetically. Here's my point. When you and I are thankful, it causes God to receive glory. Watch this. The Babylonian Empire and then the the Medes and the Persians was a vast empire of multiple cultures and lands and peoples and languages. What did Darius do? He had his edict proclaiming that Daniel's God is the living God and he is to be honored throughout the realm. He had it published in every single language. God was instantly glorified throughout the entire realm of the former Babylonian Empire because of one man who chose to be thankful under pressure. Say it, I am thankful under pressure. What did you have to thank God for? Raise your hand if he ever healed you. Raise your hand if he ever came through for you in a tough situation. Raise your hand if he ever you know, blessed you, provided for you. How many are glad? How many are thankful? I'm thankful, hallelujah. Glory to God. Thankful to God? Why don't you stand your feet and give Him thanks? Thanks be to God for His unsearchable mercies. Thanks be to God for His goodness.